Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views, premium seats in all rows, and connected tech, while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy non-stop routes to summer, because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to $3,500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, $3,500 on 2020 Rogue consists of $3,000 cash back and $500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 7-6-2020. Can't make this work? Then I'm going to have to get a real job. Right now, I am out. Hey, listen to me. This is a real job. I am the one with the job. You're the one who lies around the house all day in a pool of your own slobber. Gary Hoffman. He drug a stink in here so bad the livestock wouldn't stay. Shannon Farron. She is washed up. You understand me? She's finished. She's a troublemaker. She's on my list. Gary and Shannon. You can Google it. It's worth a Google. Now for the coup de grace. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I had to read a book by Ian Toll. It's called Pacific Crucible last night. Ah! What's that? It's probably me. I'm probably doing something I shouldn't. Um, Pacific Crucible is a story of the Navy battle uh, at the beginning of World War II. 1941, 42. Okay. It's a million pages long. It's very dry. The prologue was 42 pages, all about the history of naval warfare Mm. and why the Japanese became such a naval. I needed anything. I needed anything to cleanse my palate. My mom uh, did about 11 minutes on a phone call with me on Saturday about a history channel Three-part special on Ulysses Grant. Which is supposed to be spectacular. She said it was spectacular. Okay. But we are all hungry for something that is not the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> let me, let me uh, hand out some specific kudos to, uh, to Steve Gregory and to Chris Ancarlo for having been out on the streets these last few nights. Yeah. Uh, that is not easy work. No. Uh, and I know that we kind of give grief to TV reporters, et cetera, when they're out there with their, you know, fake fire jackets on wildfire season. This is uh this is a, this is a serious, very serious thing where there are moments when you feel like you are threatened. It's, and if you've never been in a situation like that, yeah. it's indescribable. The adrenaline that you get, 
uh, and then the letdown. And I don't know how these guys are able to go home and sleep after uh, an evening like they've had the last few evenings. Well, and not to minimize Steve Gregory's life, but Chris has two little girls at home yeah. to worry about as well. And, it, you know, you don't know how it's going to go. It's very volatile out there. There have been a number of journalists that have been injured covering these protests. Uh, even locally, last night, one of the reporters was suggest- was saying that they were in the parked news van that they were in, cameraman shooting through the window at people who were breaking into the CVS in Long Beach, and then somebody pointed to them, and they started getting pelted with rocks. Guys came over and tried to open their door to pull them out of the van and they had to take off and run you know get out of the way. Listen, this is a uh this is an unprecedented moment that we're watching. Not just in the United States because I understand now that uh, protests have broken out in Berlin and Paris and London, all of them a result of a, a couple of things. Clearly, the death of George Floyd was was the main catalyst in this specific instance, but you've said this multiple times in these last few days, none of this is happening in a vacuum. We're coming off of 12 weeks of, and still in the midst of coronavirus lockdown slash shelter in place orders that have put a strain on everyone's mental health and um, financial health and financial. And I think that's where a lot of the looting is coming from. I really do. These are a lot of people who have been, You know, they say most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So if you're one of those Americans and you haven't gotten a paycheck for two and a half months, you're desperate. It's desperation time. And I think that that's the story behind a lot of the looting we're seeing, because they're not just looting, you know, Alexander McQueen or or electronic stores, the Apple stores. They're looting like toilet paper and food from grocery stores because of the strain on the economy that this coronavirus thing perpetuated. And now it like, it's just a storm of tension and frustration. And that's why we're seeing this unprecedented unrest in so many cities at the same time. And for so long, there are a few instances of, uh, I don't know if heroics is the right word. There are a few instances of a positive, progress that has been made to some degree now on the on the more gritty battle unfortunately hate to use that term but on the gritty battle side of this there are people the actual protesters important word who are out there trying to stop people from looting because they realize their message has been lost it's not been it's not a competing message the message of george floyd's death of police brutality of endemic racism is lost when people bust through stores or on the Third Street Promenade uh, or along Fourth Street or whatever it was there in Santa Monica. You want that to not be the story. What the story should be is upsetment over, like you said, those things, the endemic racism and George Floyd and all of that. Um, that should be the story, that, that this is a nation that's horrified with what it saw on that video. Um, and- instead, the looters are getting... The attention and it's putting everybody in a bad light. There was a a, a police chief, I believe it was a sheriff, actually, in Minneapolis, in and around Minneapolis, who asked, you know, went to one of these mostly peaceful but loud and powerful protests and asked what could he do? And they said, uh, march with us. 
And I don't know if you've seen the video from this guy. I'll, I'll find his name later. But uh, on Saturday, he did just that and received a round of applause from the hundreds, if not a couple thousand people who were there. Chief Mike Moore, who was out on the streets in the Fairfax district on Saturday, had a similar instance where there was a guy at basically at the front of the crowd, right in front of the skirmish line, who was having a conversation with Michael Moore about uh, about the George Floyd incident from last week. And Mike Moore said... That's police brutality. That guy should be charged. He should put him, be put in jail for the rest of his life. And the guy had uh, that he was talking to had to turn around to the rest of the crowd and say, hold on a second, you guys, this is the chief of the LAPD, and he agrees with us. The thing is, you're going to have to go pretty deep into the backwoods to find somebody who doesn't agree, who doesn't. I, I Karen, well, be- you mean in the law enforcement community? Because I mean, anywhere. I, I, I mean, I I see Facebook messages we get from people that say that's not murder. There's no evidence that that was murder. Okay, but that's different than saying that that guy should not have done that. I, I and I know because I saw that as well. Like we can't use there the are, word murder because definite, he's not been convicted. I mean, of it. part of the problem that we have in this country is ignoring the fact that there are people who see that video and don't see anything wrong with it because he was resisting or he was uh, putting up a fight or whatever, which it doesn't show anyway. Um, He's handcuffed on the ground on his stomach. But there are people who think that police officers should be able to do that because they're acting, uh, they're acting to serve and protect. And if somebody's a problem in the community, well, then take any action that you see fit. And ignoring the fact that there are people that believe that, I think, is part of the frustration. Like, looking the other way, like, oh, everyone thinks that that video is horrific. Not everyone does. And that's part of the issue. It That's that's part of the problem that people are so upset about, I think. Well, the the going back to the loss of message, there's a, you know, if it's Black Lives Matter that wants to take credit for organizing these protests, these larger protests – then Black Lives Matter or anybody who's organizing them has an oppor- uh, an opportunity right now. Like, you've got the attention of the world. And if you're Eric Garcetti, for example, you have to make yourself available. If you're Chief Mike Moore, you have to make yourself available. Sheriff Villanueva, to, to organizers of these groups and ask them what it is that they want. Ask them what it is that they want to – the changes that they want to see within right. the LAPD, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Like, what can we do right now? Exactly. What's the, what's the what's the end game for the unrest? But but here's the other thing about it, and, and that's I mean that's the responsibility of those groups. There's a responsibility that Eric Garcetti has as a leader to blow out the oat milk scented candle that he's got burning behind him. Stand up, take a testosterone pill, and it and it, it absolutely with conviction say we will not allow crime in our city we will not allow this pain to destroy what we have built up to this point and we know that there's a problem we know that there needs to be solutions to it we know that we have to come to the table i'll meet you wherever you want me to go i don't know if anyone's going to listen to him but that's, <laughs> you know, it's like that's what the Atlanta first... mayor did you know and we talked about it yesterday sure. and and she had that same message and but I I feel like the curfew is not working. Anything Garcetti says is not going to work for a couple of reasons. He's a white man. He doesn't know 
any of a of a little bit of the frustration that's being played out. And that's just not his personality to actually have testosterone well, and, and, and it, blow out that uh, what was it, oak milk candle? Oat milk. Oh, oat milk. Yeah, scented. I see him more as a lavender guy, which is also his front. Uh, listen. Yeah. Hey, you know what, though? Why does everybody... This is my wife's question from last night. We were watching uh, uh, the the comments out of Santa Monica from last night, and um, there was a... Uh, uh, I think it was the vice mayor or, or whatever, mayor pro tem, whoever it was. These guys that get up there and just go, you know, we understand and we feel, and you can you can say that same message and delineate between... Loud, powerful, peaceful protests and people who are breaking the windows at the van store and say to them, I want to meet you at your level. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what you have to say. But your message is being overshadowed. You're being shouted down by people who are walking out of the CVS with a box full of drugs that they pulled out of the prescription bin. That And that. But nobody's willing to say that. They want to say things like, "It's let's meet this moment and it's a time in our right. history when we've... Uh, well, the president is going after the governors. Yes. We'll talk about that phone call when we come back. Gary and Chana will continue. Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Well, curfews have expired as everyone assesses the widespread damage following all of the weekend's vandalism, arson, violence, National Guard deployed in several different states, at least 13, to back up police forces. Looks like there's been an unrest in more than 20 cities. A lot of people being arrested for violating curfew and state offices in cities closed today. We uh, have I've had the conversation with my wife many times in the last couple of days about what uh, what can be done. I mean, what activity can you do to at least feel like you're making some sort of a difference? Uh, And one of the things that we came up with was echoed by uh, Rex Richardson, the city councilman for the for uh, Long Beach. And as of last night, he tweeted that uh, he's going to wake up early. He told our he says, our city is strong. We are resilient. We will transcend and overcome this. We have work to do. Downtown cleanup, 7 a.m. Harvey Milk Park. Bring your masks and gloves. Um, If you know of any group or organization that is setting up cleanup efforts for the unfortunately now mornings after uh, would you let us know? We want to make sure we get the word out there for people who uh, unfortunately have to sit at home and watch all of this and then feel like there's nothing they can do to make a difference. We want to see if we can maybe inject some life into the whole uh, recovery after this, or you know, cleaning up after uh, the trash that we see at night. Now, the uh, president was on a news uh, or sorry, was on a phone conference with a bunch of different governors this morning. Yeah, and he was uh, pretty upset. 
This uh, video teleconference was first reported that I saw by CBS News. They say they have an audio recording of it. He was in the basement of the uh, White House Situation Room there. And the president told the governors, you have to dominate or you'll look like a bunch of jerks. You have to arrest and try people. He said Washington was very under was under very good control, which doesn't make sense. There were 50 Secret Service members who were injured last night and fires that burned. to the. He had to be rushed into a bunker. Uh, He says we're going to pull in thousands of people. We're going to clamp down very, very strong. Uh, he said, it's a movement. If you don't put it down, it will get worse and worse. The only time it is successful is when you're weak and most of you are weak. You have to dominate. Those were his terms, like you said. Uh, it, he says, if the violence is, his quote, coming from the radical left, you know it, everybody knows it, but it's also looters and it's people that figure they can get free stuff by running into stores and running out with television sets. And he says, why aren't you prosecuting them? Which I don't, it's been, it's been six hours. I mean, you're not going to be able to prosecute them that quickly. But now the harder you are, the tougher you are, the less likely you're going to be hit. Uh, On the phone call, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, told Trump the nation was craving a steady hand from the top. He told the president, rhetoric coming out of the White House is making it worse. People are experiencing real pain. We've got to have national leadership calling for calm and legitimate concern for protesters. And Trump fired back, I don't like your rhetoric that much either. You could have done much better on coronavirus. This is not good. Uh, when we come back, Chris and Carlo uh, pulling the uh, sleep boogers out of his eyes are going to join us and talk more about uh, how things went. He was mostly in Santa Monica last night uh, and early this morning. So we'll talk with Chris about what he saw and uh, how things change from the relatively peaceful, powerful protests that we've seen into violence and looting and uh, why one is overshadowing the other. Gary and Shannon. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Of course, the cleanup throughout Long Beach, throughout uh, Santa Monica today. After the fourth night of uh, violent looting and rioting that took place throughout Los Angeles, the curfews have been extended in Beverly Hills, for example. The Beverly Hills Business District has a curfew taking effect at 1 o'clock this afternoon. The citywide curfew for the rest of Beverly Hills goes into effect at 4. Uh, Santa Monica, they have a couple of curfews one day after the uh, looting we saw last night. So the curfew for the business district in Santa Monica also at 1 o'clock today and the citywide curfew at 4 o'clock. People are being asked to stay in their homes. Uh, They were, I should say, until about 9 this morning because of the need for damage assessment, damage cleanup to just even make the streets passable in some of those places. Long Beach, no planned demonstrations in Long Beach, but they said that they are expecting to issue another curfew sometime today for the city of Long Beach. 
I just wanted to clear up one thing. There was not a tiger that got loose in Oakland. Uh, That was a big story that caught fire, for lack of a better term, last night. And uh, for four minutes, though, that was a fun thing to think about, wasn't it? Yes. The uh, Alameda County Sheriff's Office took to Twitter to report a tiger sighting outside the zoo at 98th and Golf Links Road about 830. Zoo employees took a a tiger roll call quickly and assured the sheriff's department that they uh, did not have a missing tiger. But if you're the if you're the Alameda County Sheriff's Office official in charge of your Twitter account, and you say to whoever is on the phone with you, "Hold on a second, a tiger in Oakland." Well, and then it started. The call to let all the animals out. Yes, free the animals. Yes, because why not? Because we need we need another layer of protest. It's uh, gosh, it's almost uh, we're not even halfway through. No, no, sir. No, we're not. Chris and Carlo has been out there covering all of the riots for us here at KFI and uh, joins us now. How much sleep have you gotten, Chris? Oh, next to nothing. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, just <laughs> it's how these things go. Wildfires, riots. Yep. Uh, kind of the same thing when you think about it, though, hmm. because you have this sort of mentality that, that spreads and jumps in ways that are sometimes predictable, sometimes not. You have strategies and tactics that are employed by police and fire in order to, to con- contain these things. But sometimes the conditions just overwhelm those uh, all of that training and all of that understanding of the the process at hand and very much that's what we saw yesterday in santa monica where you had these uh conflagurations of of looting just jump from block to block to block with immediacy and it was almost impossible for the police to to even keep track of where they were going when we were at the apex of this which was uh, somewhere around i would i would say between about two and five was when the looting was at its immediate height the looting continued all throughout the night um but it was when you had a ton of people coming from all over the place and just ransacking stores and getting whatever they could and pretty much without consequence breaking into these places because they understood the fact that the police couldn't build containment around them the police couldn't put this fire out and so it was um it was a really harrowing couple minutes i I stood on the corner of fourth and broadway and just sat there and watched as looters went from the vans store and then went to a jewelry store and then went to a music store and then they jumped um you know as the police did finally show up at that intersection in force there were police there, but just not in force. And when police showed up in force, then they jumped and they said, hey, we're going to REI. And everybody ran down to REI uh, a block away. Um, and, you know, on the way down there, it's just a trail of merchandise. I mean, you didn't even have to break into a store yesterday to loot plenty of stuff. It was just everywhere. I was down at 3rd Street Promenade as the sun was setting and I uh, I had I followed a squad of police cars that took off you know out of out of nothing and the only reason I was behind them was because I had to charge my my equipment again I had been kind of embedded with a group of protesters on Ocean uh, Boulevard and so I see him take off and you know you guys know this as reporters you see him take off okay something's up let's go and I followed him and got down to Third Street Promenade and as I got down there uh, 
couple guys come just bolting at at, uh, at Wilshire. They come bolting, you know, full speed. These guys are running, you know, NFL style combines, and uh, got a couple of police officers who are just burdened by equipment, doing their best to uh, chase after them. Uh, they, those guys get away. Another three guys come out just as I'm walking up to the promenade, and they they come like running straight at me. They've dropped all their stuff, full on sprint, and I see them instead of running straight across Wilshire, they take a right hand turn, and I'm, as soon as I saw them take that right hand turn, I was like. Well, this is going to suck for them because there were a number of police officers that had already uh, detained. It looked like about a dozen of the looters, and they were just standing there with open arms. Hey, guys, how's it going? What, what are we doing here? As I walked down uh, Third Street Promenade, it was a trail of Jordans and jerseys and other shoes and everything else. Um, and uh, at the end of that trail was about 35 to 40 people that had been detained. Not all of them looters. Some of them were just detained for uh, being in, in violation of the curfew. I talked to a woman. She was walking her dog, and she was shaking up. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, well, that's my boyfriend over there. And um, I, I was like, was was he looting? She's like, no, we, we just came out to walk the dog. And suddenly all, this wave of looters came, and they detained us. They told me I could go home to take the dog, but they're, they're arresting him. And they're arresting him because they were technically in violation of the curfew there. I got, there's, a, there's a frustrating aspect to that. I saw somebody else interviewed similar. It had to be in that same area that you're talking about where the younger guy, and I know you mentioned that with Handel earlier today, that a lot of these are probably almost all of them under the age of 25, um, that this younger guy said he just came out to see what was going on and hadn't realized that there was a curfew in place. Yeah, a lot of that. But in a world where everything lives on social media, I find it hard to believe that a 20-year-old guy would not know that there was a curfew in place in Santa Monica. Well, he may not be... Gary, you sound like a cop. He may not be consuming uh, news accounts, like you know how we follow every single news outlet. And so we're going to be bombarded by that. He's probably following, you know... um, the Kardashians or whatever. <laughs> it's all about well, whatever you're consuming. I mean, to be fair, they were doing a pretty good job of messaging about the, the curfew as well yesterday. So I don't know. The if that's Kardashians? Chris, you sound like a cop now. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I, 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 I enjoy throwing things off the rails. I apologize. That's uh, <laughs> it's so, fair game here. So, you know, I, I the looting was obviously an incredibly important aspect of what happened yesterday, and I think it's really also equally important for people to understand that there there are separate parties at work here. The looters and the protesters, you know, if you're looking at a Venn diagram of looters and protesters, there is very little overlap from what I've been able to see. Uh, there are some people who are looting as protest. That is without doubt. They are vocal about it. They have signs saying, I'm looting out of protest. They are standing in the middle of the street with the stuff that they have stolen. And I kid you not, saying, I am looting in protest of this system and everything underneath the sun. That is a small slice of the people who are looting. Most of the people who were looting as they came down were coming down in somewhat of an organized fashion. I saw um, I, last night when I was talking to Suits, I tried to explain it as as though they were crews of, of people, four or five cars rocking up. They would scout and then they would uh, they would come back around the bo- block 
and then they would jump out, and they would jump into whatever they scouted out, and then they would take off. And they were doing it incredibly efficiently. I mean, just a matter of moments, and half the store is completely gone. And uh, that was, you know, a, a pattern that didn't stop at, at the end of the night when the curfew was fully put into effect. Effect. I told the story with Handel this morning about, you know, all of these police officers, probably about 100 of them, mainly uh, L.A. Sheriff's Department and Santa Monica PD, sweeping down Lincoln and just a clean sweep. When you see officers standing shoulder to shoulder from sidewalk to sidewalk, making sure that everybody in front of them is either they have a reason to be out that is legal or they are detained because they are in violation of the curfew. And not more than five minutes, they're only a half block down. Then do I see another crew of cars come down right behind them and immediately get right back to work, going into a, a chase bank, then going into, they tried to go into a, 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 um, a home decoration store and there was an armed guard that had just been placed on duty i watched him get put into duty and he popped out of nowhere and i saw those guys run like they have never run before and then they moved down to the cvs and they parked in the back alley two two of their cars parked in the back alley and they broke in the back door and just were carrying everything out their cars filling up the trunk and filling up everything they could before taking off chris can you hang on for another segment I sure can. Okay, I got a question about your Venn diagram when we come back. Gary and mm. Shannon will continue with. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Why more explosive this time? Why is it? Is it just coronavirus? Probably not. Uh, It's not just coronavirus us being cooped up and uh, suffering financially. A large part of the country with huge unemployment numbers. The other instances in recent years, I'm thinking about Oscar Grant or Michael Brown and Ferguson. We had an African-American president who was able to come out and say, I see you, I get the frustration, much like we saw with um, Atlanta's mayor over the weekend. Uh, And this time we don't have that. But Obama did write an article for Medium.com. It's been posted, and I think it's worth a read. Uh, it's It's a direct message to the protesters and to the protesters who are causing violence. And I think it's worth a read uh, coming up after the news at the top. Speaking of the uh, Atlanta mayor, uh, Mayor Bottoms, there was another mayor that I was reminded of, the mayor of Philadelphia, uh, Michael Nutter, who several years ago. If you want to act like a butthead, your butt is going to get locked up. So if you want them to run for president in 2020 on the Democratic ticket, it could be bottom Nutter's for or Nutter's bottom. Bottoms Nutter that never mind. Chris Carlo is with us, and he has been covering all of the rioting. Um, you had a you had a question about Chris's I do, diagram about the Venn diagram. You mentioned that the there are you know for the most part disparate groups here that are responsible for the peaceful, loud, powerful protests and mm. the violent rioting and looting, and that the Venn diagram where they overlap is very very small. My question is, you get a sense of frustration that. The riot, the the uh, rioters, the looters are using the protests um, and a sense of frustration from the protesters themselves who are trying to get a message across that has been completely overshadowed by rioters. 
I asked that question, that exact question, to probably a couple dozen people yesterday as they were streaming out of the protest zone into the looting zone. And, you know, I, I asked them first, hey, well, you know, why are you here? What was the protest like? Why are you leaving the protest? And um, what do you think about all of this? And the questions that I, uh, the answers to those questions were diverse. Some people said, you know, I, this is unfortunate. This is tragic. The the message is being lost in the mayhem. This is not uh, what we're out here for. Other people said, you know, I don't like to see it. I kind of understand and I can empathize with what's happening here. I don't like to see it, but yeah. And, and then there was that third group who they were completely like, you know what? This is part of overthrowing the system. This is part of it all. You know, people complain about looting from stores and it may be a couple million dollars here, but Wall Street is looting billions of dollars from everyone every single day and none of them are going to jail and there are no calls on social media to send them to jail. Yeah, right? they're so calling you, that, you, that, you, that that's the real looting that's going yeah, so on. Bernie Sanders it, tweeted something to that effect. So the, the the point being, though, is that there is an array, there is a spectrum of, of thought on how the looting makes and depicts the broader protest. And it, it's there's there's no singular answer because and here's the thing that everybody has to understand, because people want to people want to put one face on this. They want to put one cause on this. They want to put one name on this. And it may be George Floyd. It may be Antifa. It may be whatever. That, no, this is a billion individual actions coming together, coalescing in different places for different reasons. And some of them may be because they are black and they've endured just all sorts of societal harm over the course of their lives. And, and they've endured that, that, that pain that comes along with the color of their skin. Some of them may be brown, maybe Latino, maybe, uh, maybe Asian, who have, feel it to a different degree and feel it in different ways, but they, they feel it in a way certainly more so than, than white folks do. And then there are, are, are white people that come down because they either feel a sense of guilt or they feel a sense of activism or they feel a sense of justice. And, and even within those different buckets. I mean, you have all these other feelings that, that come together and everybody's coming from these different backgrounds without a core bit of leadership. So there is no president of Antifa. There is no head of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, there is no singular person that is giving a directive, even in, in each of these individual locations. And when people have bullhorns and they try to give directives, people only listen to a certain extent. And once everything starts to unspool and fall apart a little bit, Everybody goes their own way, and everybody has their own philosophy that they carry with them. And some of them are more apt to become part of the violence. Some of them are only down there for the violence. Some of them are down there to stop the violence. And I saw, you know, I, I had somebody ask me on Twitter during the break, well, what about, you know, why aren't these protesters stopping the looters if they, if they care so much about their cause? Guess what? I saw people trying to stop looters. I saw a woman barricade herself with a bicycle at the entrance to a jewelry store, high-value item, and she stood there, and somebody came up and, and tried to move her and said that we're going to steal your bike and we're going to steal your purse, and she said, fine. That's on you. But here are here are my blisters from marching yesterday. And if you understand that I'm on your side, then you're not going to come through me. And she stood there throughout the entire afternoon until police secured that particular intersection. There are stories like that. There are also stories like uh, other protesters standing up to looters and getting punched in the face. We saw images like that on TV. I didn't see it firsthand, but we saw images like that. There is no singular way to put this. There is, there are, you know, I told you guys this yesterday, a half dozen, maybe a dozen different factors that have all blended together. 2020 is the perfect maelstrom of this misery <laughs> yeah. that is manifesting itself on the streets of America right now. 
Yep. Listen, I don't envy you as uh, the father of two young kids, you know, going home to this every day because I know as difficult as it is to talk to kids who are old enough to get at least some of this. Uh, So I have to explain, you know, people are getting better and maybe we can start going out. They're not all sick again. Now people are mad. We got to we got to wait a little bit longer. Weird as that is. Chris, thank you. You're doing fantastic work out there, by the way. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, you bet. great job. All right, uh, coming back. Steve Gregory is going to join us at the bottom of next hour. We have a lot to get through in terms of what we know uh, may be planned for today. Uh, I would say this about social media posts that you may see or may have not seen. Um, we don't know the veracity of some of them. Uh, law enforcement doesn't know the veracity of locations or anything like that. Yeah, and like Sherman Oaks has been tossed around, Encino, Torrance, Carson. So we're just not sure. Uh, buddies in law enforcement, though, are saying that you know the people are being bussed in. Yeah, bussed to different locations. All right, we'll stay on top of it when we come back. Gary and Shannon. I could be. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A couple of uh, different news channels have been showing a, a powerful scene in Minneapolis. George Floyd's brother and some other members of his family have shown up to the uh, site where George Floyd died there on the streets of Minneapolis um, a week ago today and uh, led a prayer vigil. And there's hundreds and hundreds of people around. And just visually, there's thousands of flowers and signs uh not just on the ground it looks the like sidewalk, the kobe but, bryant memorial at yeah. staples uh and they're calling on uh, george floyd's brother is calling for peaceful protests he wants an end to the violence uh and he has asked for people to uh to stop the looting and the rioting but to continue the peaceful protests. Former so. President Barack Obama trying to be a voice of reason through this as well, like he was so many times uh, when we saw protests about police brutality um, on on black Americans. And he wrote a pretty brief message on medium.com just for all of the protesters. And he referred to them as a new generation of activists. And he said that There are some basic lessons to draw from past efforts that are worth remembering. And he points out that he understands that the protests are a a representation of a genuine and legitimate frustration over decades-long failures in the country and, and in the criminal justice system in the United States. And he pointed out that the majority of, of protesters have been peaceful and courageous and responsible, um, but there have been people who have resorted to violence. And he says, I saw an elderly black woman being interviewed today in tears because the only grocery store in her neighborhood had been trashed. He said, if history is any guide, that store may take years to come back. So let's not excuse violence or rationalize it or participate in it. He says, if we want our criminal justice system and American society at large to operate on a higher ethical code, then we have to model that code ourselves. 
He went on to talk about the importance of understanding which levels of government have the biggest impact on the criminal justice system. And he said the elected officials who matter most in reforming police departments and criminal justice system work at the state and local levels. And that at these levels, there are woefully inadequate voter rolls. You got to register to vote. Voter turnout in these local races, he says, is usually pitifully low, especially among young people. Which makes no sense given the direct impact these local offices have on social justice issues. He said, the bottom line is this, if we want to bring about real change, the choice isn't between protest and politics. We have to do both. We have to mobilize to raise awareness and organize and cast ballots. Get more people to vote. He said the more specific also when it comes to what's the end game, he says the more specific we can make demands for criminal justice and police reform, the harder it will be for elected officials to offer just lip service to the cause and then fall back into business as usual. We talked about that earlier. When are we going to see some sort of organization of bullet point demands type things? Remember that was tangible one, things. That was one of the criticisms of the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement and Occupy right. whatever city was. Right. You you don't you can you can live on the grass at at City Hall in downtown Los Angeles and you can pee in buckets and you you can do all that. You can prove that you're willing to stick it out. But if you don't have some sort of a specific thing that you want us to do, then then your 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 point is just to prove that you're willing to to be uncomfortable for a long time. Well, that was one of the big reasons why Bernie Sanders got so much traction nationally is he saw the Occupy movement, I think, and decided to put real ideas behind it. Yeah, and I listen, Bernie Sanders is one of those guys. Chris mentioned this before the top of the hour there about how uh, the the wording in Bernie Sanders tweet from the yesterday was that. I understand the looting because Wall Street's been looting the sun for so long and the blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. If you're a political leader like Bernie Sanders is, and a lot of people, yes, he didn't get the nomination and won't get the nomination, but he, uh, so many people do still look up to him and the message that he sends. Just like I would have and have said about President Trump, you got to be careful about your damn message here. You got to be very careful about what it is that you're suggesting, which is, that you have a right to go into Steve Van Dorn's van store on in Santa Monica and take whatever you damn well please because some rich a-hole in New York has been stealing your money for decades. Or whatever weird mental calculus that you come up to where that's an okay thing to suggest. I saw that repeatedly with the Target looting. That Target's... Uh... You know, the, whoever owns Target makes X amount of dollars and, right. and and the workers make minimum wage and that's where the looting is. OK, but how many <laughs> how many Target workers I don't understand that mentality and are, all the Bernie Sanders people have it? How many Target workers are now people of color that can't go to work because the stores have had to yeah, shut down? I know. Or haven't been going to work because of whatever coronavirus issues have they've had in different stores that have been going on. That's the that's the jump that I don't understand that they you can't un, you can't detach yourself from the actual reality on the ground reality of what these actions are causing and will cause. Um, Steve Gregory is coming up at the bottom of the hour. We do expect to hear from uh, local politicians over the course of the show. Uh, and if they do come in, if they do uh, start news conferences, we'll bring those to you. 
We understand that the sheriff has an update coming up at 2 o'clock today, we believe. And then we'll keep an eye on what's going on with um, – is it right now? Is that a live shot? The mayor of Long Beach apparently has been talking right now. So let's see if we can dip in and see uh, – We had no police officers or firefighters that were seriously injured or hospitalized. And while there certainly were attempts uh, at lighting fires across the city and smaller fires erupted, we only had one major structure fire there on the corner of 7th and Pine Avenue. And thanks to the Long Beach Fire Department, all the other fires, which the fire chief will discuss, were put out rather quickly. I also want to say that uh, there were, of course, some, uh, some injuries last night to members of the public and to everyone that uh, was injured. Um, our, our, our hearts and love go out to you. I know also uh, that a, uh, uh, a reporter, uh, Adolfo Guzman Lopez, of course, who I think we all know and love, uh, was also hit by a, uh, a rubber bullet. I've uh, personally also uh, com- communicated with him. Apologize to him as well, and we'll be looking forward to discussing that in, in, in the days ahead. But I want to thank the media also for covering and for being there and for communicating with the public and getting the message out. So to all of you, thank you for doing so. I also want to, I also want to add that the Long Beach Police Department last night um, uh, did a fantastic job, and we should be proud of their work and the community's work in doing the response. And I want to make sure that we also answer questions about how the the city was prepared. This city was prepared for the protests, as the chief will explain. Within an hour of those protests, mutual aid began coming in from across the county. And when mutual aid was exhausted, the National Guard was also brought in to assist those efforts. And they are still here right now. One thing that's important for people to realize also, I had some questions, why wasn't the National Guard here from the beginning. Uh, That's just not the way the National Guard system works. Uh, You have to first exhaust your mutual aid and the agencies around you before the National Guard gets approval. The National Guard right now has a statewide mission in California, and they are in all cities across the state. And so we went and followed the procedures, uh, and I'm really proud of the Long Beach Police Department for the work that they did and for the amount of life and property that was protected. And to the small business owners uh, that, uh, that, that have been uh, damaged, uh, to the businesses that are hurting, and to the workers, please know that this city stands with you, and we, and we promise you that every, with every single one of you, we will we'll work to rebuild and ensure your business bounces back. I want to also just say, uh, finally, that we are also preparing for tonight and the days ahead. We're calling today for an additional curfew. So beginning at 1 o'clock p.m. today, we will set a curfew for all of our business districts across the city. And we will have more information about exact locations here uh, over the course of the next, uh, next hour. And then at 4 p.m., we're putting in a citywide curfew for the rest of the city. Now, why is this important? It is important that folks stay home. It's important that today, stay at home, take care of your family. We have the Long Beach Police Department, our mutual aid partners, and the National Guard all out patrolling and taking care of the city and our businesses. We also have uh, our police department with our federal and state partners also have 
and are working with our intelligence community to ensure we have the best information about what is actually happening with these organized looters that are coming in and out of cities and causing destruction. Because the folks that were doing this, as you saw many of you on television, that's not Long Beach. And that's not what Long Beach is all about. And so I want to thank the city for being strong, uh, for supporting the men and women of the Long Beach Police Department, and for all of you that were peacefully protesting for the work that we have to do still in America to heal this country. I want to thank you all as well. Uh, we're going to hear right now from our chief of police. We're going to hear from our fire chief. All and right, we're that is uh, the Long Beach mayor there, Robert Garcia, talking about Long Beach, what went down there, and their response, again, putting in another curfew today. We will uh, come back. We'll talk more about all of this when we uh, come back to Gary and Shannon. AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We will continue to watch what's going on in terms of anything pops up during our show. We understand that there are some protests that have been planned for as early as noon in some areas. And uh, if we start to see them materialize, we'll definitely tell you where those are. Remember uh, COVID-19? It's uh, ring a bell. Well, it's a pandemic. It's uh, wiped out more than 100,000 people in this country. When? Since like 1918? Since the beginning of the, this year in 2020. There's new numbers coming from nursing homes. Federal health authorities this morning say they've received reports of nearly 26,000 nursing home residents dying from COVID-19. They said that number is partial. It's likely to go higher. Is there anything that's going to be good about this year? Listen, uh, the SpaceX um, Dragon 9 capsule that... Your daughter looked really pretty her. at her stay-at-home prom. Beautiful. A dress was incredible. Yes. The SpaceX, like you SpaceX just said. Eventually, when they come back, they haven't um, decided, as far as I know, when they're going to re-enter the Earth. And uh, Bob and Doug are up there, and they went like this. Eh, maybe... Maybe we stay a little bit maybe longer. Just hang out here maybe, for a little bit. maybe it takes us longer to figure this whole dragon thing out. I mean, the two cosmonauts and astronauts that are the International Space Station are like, uh, so how long uh, can you guys stay? And Bob and Doug are like, uh, for a very long time. Steve Gregory is going to join us at the uh, after the news here, and uh, we're going to get into a couple of different things with Steve about how he has been covering these uh, these uh, riots over these last couple of days, the ones that. Start as normal protests and then change, uh, and it's taken on a, a sort of a life of its own. While that's going on, 
we mentioned George Floyd's brother was at the scene of his death and held a prayer vigil and was asking for calm and asking for peaceful demonstrations from people saying that his brother George was not a violent man and never would have uh, never would have given the okay to anything like we've seen over these last several nights. Also, the White House press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, has been talking about the protests that are going on nationwide, referring to the president uh, designating Antifa as a terrorist group. So uh, as she's been talking, we've been recording it, and if there's anything going on, we'll definitely bring that to you. But Steve Gregory, when we come back. in the other room if you need it. I don't know if we have any oat milk and chamomile scented candles. Uh, no, we've we got a Jesus candle and a Prosecco candle. Candles in there. Remember, it's time for you to summon your better angels. I've seen that face before. I know. Gary and Shannon, KFIA on 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We talked uh, to uh, Chris and Carlo about being out there covering all of the protesting and the rioting and the looting. And Steve Gregory has also been out there every night. How much sleep have you had? Well, would you believe that I ended up a a colleague, a a friend of ours, uh, couldn't do this interview for a Sydney, Australia station. Uh So I was up until 3.30 this morning and they said, you know, well, she said, I can't do it. Can you do it? I said. Sure, why not? I didn't know it was TV. <gasps> and so they're calling oh. me by Skype, and all of a sudden, I look like, I mean, <laughs> oh I'm mean, like, after, You're after not wearing like, any shirt, 15 You're... hours, and my hair is just like, like stringy, <laughs> and I'm sweaty, and I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, and I'm just like, I'm exhausted. I'm parked in a McDonald's parking lot over in, uh, in Sherman Oaks just to file all the stories for this morning, and I sit there, and all of a sudden, Ooh, dee, do, dee, do, dee. And I say, yes, hi, good morning. Yeah, and then, bing, the camera goes on. And oh, they're like, no. hi, good morning, Steve. Yeah. Yo, I'm such a nice morning show. Sunday. <laughs> and I'm like going, oh, America's I, and really go, having a bad day. I said, is this radio or TV? And they're going, oh, no, this is television. Like, oh, no. That's and then like I had the look of terror <laughs> yeah. in my face. And then the lighting's horrible. I look like I'm in a closet, of course. Like a creepy, Did you take, a, did you take a screenshot or anything? No. I got to track would, this I down. I did not want to preserve that. What station? I did not want to preserve that. But I looked creepy. I wonder if it's still up on their website. I hope not. What's the station? All I remember, it was uh, like ABC, ABC Sydney, I think is what ABC it was. ABC Sydney. Yeah. All right. But Australian Broadcasting, ABC Sydney morning show somewhere. Okay. Like that. But anyway, yes, I was out there. I um, You kind of made your way back and forth between downtown and Long Beach, I right? I took the high-speed rail. Lucky you. <laughs> You're Actually, the only one. Trains weren't working. They, no, I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but the, there were the images, I mean, just in terms of the pictures that you and Chris have been able to paint just vocally, you know, with what's been going on and then social media accounts as well. One of the images that stuck with me from yesterday specifically was the image of the dozens of police officers and National Guardsmen and women out in front of City Hall. Sure. That was a loud, powerful and peaceful protest. Yeah, and that was the. I started my day there. I started my day there because um, 
We, of course, you never know what's going to happen. And right. then with the National Guard, see, I accidentally stumbled upon them at Pershing Square, and that's kind of what got me interested because I was I had already heard um, some folks at LAPD told me where they were focusing. So I started down in the financial district, and I you could see the crowd gathering. And then we sort of followed parallel to them and uh, just kind of waiting to see where they go. And then they turned on Grand, and they turned right and went through the Civic Plaza and then ended on the Spring Street side. And when I went around the corner and I saw all those troops, I was like, I I can't ever remember. I was even trying to remember Occupy LA. I, they weren't even here for that. Yeah. I, I had never, I think in my 15 years, I had never seen the National Guard lining the steps of City Hall. So it was it was pretty overwhelming when you first show up. And then as soon as the crowd gets there, then they were surrounded by the Humvees. Right. What was the behavior towards the National Guard versus the behavior towards the cops? You know, it was the same, Shannon. I, I, there was a lot of people, you know how the, some of them get, they get right up to, well, as close as they can, scream and shout at them, hold their signs in front of them. And then, of course, there's the metal barricade, the fencing that's um, be, sort of the barrier between law enforcement, the soldiers, and the crowd. And so they'll get right up to that fence and they'll just scream and shout at him. And then, and then the whole tone calmed down. I have no idea who this gentleman was. It went up to speak. He went up with a megaphone and he started to speak and he was just talking about that. Looting's not the answer. Uh, he talked about, we're here for a reason. And then he told everyone to take a knee. Then all of a sudden you got six, 700 people just all took a knee at once. And it was complete silence. Yeah. Those images that that that's happened in different cities around the country. Obviously, there was one in, um, I think it was LeBron James that was pushing a video from Denver from yesterday out on the out near the Capitol building in Denver, and it was people lying face down on the ground and for eight minutes and forty six seconds calling out the words "I can't breathe." Well, that's, I mean, but there's yeah. those images, and that's one of them that you talk about. But there were other images that were very similar to that that were very, very powerful from yesterday. The chants ranged from uh, "Hands up, don't shoot" to "No justice, no peace," and then they were, they would, they would do "Say his name," and they'd say, you know, uh, they would say all the different names of people over the years that have been shot and killed at the hands of officers. Right. So they were, they would just repeat the names, and then they started saying, "No more names, no more names." So, I mean. It was pretty much, and I hate to say this, it's such a cliche, but it's like a, it was like a textbook rally. I mean, they all showed up, they they vented, they got all their messages across, and then they dispersed. Um, but as is with most of these, as it gets nightfall, uh, you're going to have some hangers on. They're still milling around. And then the curfew went into effect. And they were giving them, you could tell they were cutting them some slack, but they kept announcing the curfew. But there were still some people who refused to leave. And at some point, they started to detain a few. Can you hang on a bit? Because I want to talk to you about what law enforcement is, uh, the strategy as we move forward and what they're thinking in terms of how long this is going to last and all of that. Gary and Shannon will continue. Steve Gregory has joined us. I found the TV show you were on. Did you really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Is there a picture of him in there? Not yet. I haven't gotten to his hit yet. But that's not you. <laughs> Carrie and Shannon will continue. Ooh, I travel the limit with my eyes on you. I travel the limit with my mind on you. Why you always sitting in the back seat? Get up in the front, I'm not a taxi. Oh, no. I travel the limit with my eyes on you. I travel the limit with my mind on you. Why you always sitting in the back seat? 
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. That's not Bill Handel. Uh, that's Andy McCarthy, I think. Oh, that looks like Bill Handel. No. Uh, Steve Gregory has joined us. Uh, wanted to mention a couple of things, including the, um, the curfews that are still going to be in effect today in L.A. County within the unincorporated and incorporated areas of L.A. County. There will be a countywide curfew in effect tonight, 6 p.m. through 6 a.m. tomorrow. Again, similar to what we saw last night. And then in other cities, there will be curfews before that. For example, the business district in Beverly Hills curfew and Santa Monica, the business district, will be 1 o'clock. And then both of those will have citywide curfews that begin at 4 o'clock today. Uh, the mayor of Long Beach has been... Uh, has been talking and says that the the city of Long Beach will also have a curfew tonight starting at 4 p.m. Uh, Steve, as we've seen, though, if Long Beach, Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, and even the rest of the county have curfews, whether it's 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock, depending on where you are, that's not a guarantee that we're going to see no activity. No, In fact, no. those places that were hit, for lack of a better term, Santa Monica and Long Beach mostly yesterday. Just if we were to trust, you know, recent history, those are not going to be the the places that people go to today. No, we're told now uh, San Fernando Valley. Right. San Fernando. Fact, I, I was there last night. I did one last hit with Brian Suits just before midnight. And I had, uh, when he was telling me about it, I had already been driving back from Long Beach. And I stopped over there and saw where the looting had just happened at the CVS and the, the jewelry store there on Ventura Boulevard. And I ran into a group of detectives that had been deployed at a 7-Eleven. And I was just kind of chatting with them a little bit. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're being told this is going to be the place you know, for 24 hours. They were patrolling for the last 24 hours. And there was uh, two squadrons in front of the Galleria Mall uh, last night, too, when I got there or you, passed by. You used the word fatigue in our break there uh, when we were talking. Uh, that's got to be an issue as well. We're talking some of these officers have been – I know that they get a break, and now is probably a great time for them to recharge, rejuvenate, sleep, eat, mm-hmm. get off of their feet. But some of these officers have been on high alert since probably Thursday. Sure. Uh, this has got to be a time when even officers, they're human beings, are dealing with ridiculous amounts of fatigue. Well, and I think what happened too is when you saw Chief Michael Moore from LAPD the other day – when one of his officers had their skull crushed and they don't know if he's going to survive, you know, it, it sort of became when that happens, regardless of, you know, what your political views or what your, your social views are of it up to this point for the police department now to have someone that is, has been injured in all of this, it takes on a new dynamic for the officers. And now they're even more committed to trying to get this under control and bring back um, you know, order being bring order back to the community, and but you're right. I mean, when I saw those group of detectives last night, uh, that group of detectives, I'm thinking to myself, these are people that are out, you know, solving murders, taking care of armed robberies, and this, you know, they're solving solving these crimes, different crimes. They probably haven't been on the streets in a long time, yeah. and you can tell because they all had, you know, regular uh, civilian vehicles, and they all had their vests on. And they didn't have all of the tactical gear that we normally see from officers in the field. And it just it was just kind of an interesting thing. It's like, you know, all of a sudden they, they're back out in the field. And for the worst possible reason, you know, the city's burning. 
Um, to that end about the word on the street or however they want to determine it, LAPD, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, they have officers. I don't know if they have full um, – I guess, tasking of this, but there are people who work in, I guess you'd call it intelligence, right? So they're aware of these social media posts and what's Mm -hmm. been going on. It seemed like uh, there was almost like a distrust of those social media posts to begin with that we had an idea that Rodeo Drive, that Fairfax, that Melrose, that those were going to be hotspots on uh, Saturday. Then yesterday, the suggestion early in the day that that Santa Monica, that Long Beach were going to be targets. And now if we trust what we've been seeing on social media, that maybe San Fernando Valley, maybe San Gabriel Valley. Who's making the call on that? I don't don't know. know. Who's picking these these areas? um, I think the short answer is I don't know. Yeah. But based on what I'm being what I'm being told is there there is there is a, a cluster or a core of people that are sort of pushing these messages out. There's also a disinformation campaign out there too. I don't know if you've noticed there's these makeshift flyers that pop up and tell you to be at certain places at certain times. We're going to burn the place down or F the city and all this other stuff. And so much so that I, I remember uh, Chris Little the other day telling me that his son who works at a restaurant out in Rancho Cucamonga in some sort of a shopping complex that they saw one that said, you know, we're, we're showing up, we're going to shut it down or whatever the entire shopping complex shut down out of fear of this, and then no one showed up. Huh. So it's there's that there's that kind of a disinformation, and and what happens is that they're also sort of doing that economic terrorism, that sort of quiet economic terrorism. They're also spreading out resources, mm-hmm. and so it, the, the, there is, a, I think, there is a very concerted effort here to wreak havoc. I'm just wondering if there's an organization uh, amongst the uh, the agitators where they will send people to one area, right, to to riot, set things on fire, and all that, and then have the other people um, in another area for the looting. But I don't know if all of these factions are in communication, or you know, like Chris and Carlo was saying, there's just so many different layers of protester out there right now. Well, protester slash. Opportunist, opportunist slash, right. you know, yep. uh, just troublemaker. But, you know, the the thing yesterday, like at City Hall, is that to me that seemed to be the most purest form of what was trying to be accomplished in all of this was right. that they were there to talk about something they were going through, this this group of, this group of people. This sort of was this, the, 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 the nexus, or not the nexus, was the genesis of all of it. But then everyone else around it was just, just – clamping on and you guys know this it happens and i keep going back to this the immigration rallies sometimes these these rallies they they pull out the permit they do everything by the book they they do everything the way the department of transportation tells them they do everything they coordinate, they coordinate with, the police, with department. the police department exactly in the city and then it just that group just comes in and they start throwing frozen water bottles at the cops and rocks and bricks and then all of a sudden the cops have no choice they declare it an unlawful assembly and then all hell breaks loose and that's and that's the pattern. It, it doesn't matter what they're protesting or what rallying for. That's the pattern. The, the pattern that we saw yesterday that that I think disturbed me the most or made me fear for what was going to happen was a lot of this was taking place during daylight hours. Yeah, you know, it was three, four that o'clock a, when people unusual. started looting yeah. stores. Yeah, they're brazen. And that was a terrifying thing. I'd seen it in while we were doing our t- uh, you know eight to twelve yesterday morning in Philadelphia. Yeah. They were doing the exact same thing where. Going into stores that there were no police around, and it wasn't even necessarily that there was a, a a protest in a different part of the city to distract the police or keep them busy. It's just that 
there was nobody around. Uh, all of the stores have been shut down because of coronavirus. So there yeah. were entire businesses that had been boarded up, not because they were concerned about looting. Right. It was they were boarded up or locked up in dark because Until further notice. Yeah. nobody yeah. was going to be there. They couldn't shop. And that I think that's also by design. And the one of the one of the cops told me, too, that these these agitators, they put a shopping list together. They look at they they knew down in Long Beach that the the Pike they knew the types of stores in the Pike. Sure, they knew that REI was over there in Santa Monica. They knew that Promenade. They knew yeah. they knew the places they wanted to go to. They have a shopping list. He says. All right, Steve. Thank you. Got it. Coming uh, up next, we will talk trending. Trending. We got some Swamp Watch. Still a full show. Oh yeah, big show. Gary and Channel will continue after this. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available ladies and gentlemen welcome aboard this summer we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new nissan we invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views premium seats in all rows and connected tech while avoiding baggage fees layovers and neck pillows so fasten your seat belts and enjoy non-stop routes to summer because the best way to travel this season is in a new nissan And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to $3,500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, $3,500 on 2020 Rogue consists of $3,000 cash back and $500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 7-6-2020. I'm a free woman. At some point, you're just going to pull back and go, ah! And then show me that you broke half of your tooth. I know. That was a really good apple, though. Today's apple was was very delicious. It used to be, uh, (laughs) Handel used to do a series of apologies at the end of his show. I remember. Yeah, I feel like you should apologize to every apple you've eaten in the last (laughs) month. I, like, really hate eating those apples. Uh, never wanted more plexiglass than. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Fine, you know I what? From now on, I will eat my apple in our office alone. Okay. Uh, the bottom of the hour is when we get into Swamp Watch. We will be talking about what uh, is going on in Washington D.C. Some very powerful, meaningful images last night. The uh, White House shut off all of its exterior lighting. It's a tactical move because if the Secret Service needs to go after people they need to see who's coming at them uh and you can't see if the bright lights are shining in your face and nobody uh you know and there's nothing on the other side we have started to see some new protests pop up around the country for today 
And the uh, there's one, for example, shown right now in Gaithersburg, Maryland. But it's it's hundreds of people, but everybody's just walking down the street. Uh, nobody's doing anything crazy. The understanding I have is that later on we will see uh, George Floyd's family unveiling the uh, independent autopsy that they asked for. Yeah, that's on... supposed to be happening now. It's very soon. Very soon. Okay. So we will monitor that. TMZ is going to stream that live. So I guess the officer also that was supposed to be charged or has been charged, he was supposed to do a court appearance. That's been put off, and he has been transferred into a maximum security prison for his own safety. Well, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. What's City of L.A. has imposed another curfew just announced beginning at 6 p.m. tonight, continuing until 6 a.m. tomorrow. This is what we saw last night as well on a countywide basis. There are individual municipalities who are putting in their own curfews, like 4 p.m. Or Yeah, my understanding, the way we have it now is that Long Beach, Santa Monica, and Beverly Hills all have 1 p.m. curfews for their business districts, and then 4 p.m. curfews citywide. Of course, Long Beach and Santa Monica were targets yesterday, Beverly Hills the day before that. Uh, but in count, if you haven't heard otherwise in your specific municipality, countywide, there is a curfew starting at 6 p.m. tonight. Long Beach, as you mentioned, and Santa Monica were the scenes where the most destruction was done this morning. Much of downtown Long Beach littered with smashed windows, graffiti, stolen merchandise. People that live there in Long Beach say it's just devastating. You're seeing the shop owners come outside and just look at everything that they have lost. Again, there are agitators and and violent protesters, if you can even call them that, uh, being bussed into different communities. Most of the people arrested, not from Long Beach, if you can imagine. Uh, uh, That gives me an opportunity uh, as a reminder. If you know somebody that is putting together crews of volunteers to help clean up, to help small business owners um, fix anything, uh, you need plywood put up over windows or broken windows, you need inventory cleaned up, your store cleaned up, uh, let us know who that is. Let us know because we'd love to be able to get the word out there to different people who I know are asking what can we do? What can we physically do to to help out, especially those places that have been victimized? So let us know, social media, email, whatever it is, and uh, we'll get the word out. The protests against the killing of George Floyd have spread internationally now. Uh, uh, over the weekend, crowds gathered outside of the U.S. embassies in London and Berlin. In London, hundreds took part of a uh, took part in a Black Lives Matter demonstration, beginning with protesters taking a knee for nine minutes in Trafalgar Square before marching into that embassy. In Rio, crowds were chanting, I can't breathe. In Canada, thousands took to the streets of Vancouver and Montreal, echoing the chants that we've seen here in the United States. Uh, Iran and China, of course, decided to take this opportunity to talk bad about the United States. So uh, Let's talk about the only good thing that's happened this year. The dragon. Oh, yes, that. I was trying to think Racking your brain. Astronauts on board the dragon successfully docked at the International Space Station yesterday morning, 19 hours after that successful NASA SpaceX launch. They don't know when they're going to be back. They might uh, spend a little extra time up there. Yeah, uh, if they had a choice, I'm sure they would. The uh, The interview that I saw 
with I think it's Doug Bridenstine, NASA, the NASA administrator, and Elon Musk on Saturday after the launch was just fascinating. I mean, you've got Jim Bridenstine, who is an administrator. He is a guy all about checking boxes, making sure everything is ready to go, paperwork, bureaucrat. And then you've got Elon Musk, who's like this rock star for the people at NASA because he's been able to put together this system, this uh, SpaceX plan to get people to and from space with reusable rockets. And one of the reporter questions to Elon Musk was, what did it feel like watching this successful launch? And he said, I was on the verge of tears the entire time. Yeah. Not just because there's inherent risk in what it is that goes on. Um, but he said, if you would have asked me a year ago if this was possible, I would have said maybe 10% chance that we get somebody to orbit. Not, not that it was going to fail, but that they would have it done by then. The project would be complete by then. And then I saw this article. His biggest worry with the first human mission was not the launch. It's reentry. Because of the potential, just the absolute stress that the capsule goes under re-entering the atmosphere, plunging into the ocean under parachute, there's all kinds of stuff that could go wrong. Right, And we don't know exactly when they're coming back. It's it's determined by weather patterns. It's determined by what sort of uh, condition the crew capsule is in. Well, let's just think positive, shall we? We we will. Let's do that. We will do that. Continue to do that, as a matter of fact. All right. Coming up next, we will go live to Washington, D.C. The governor or the uh, president holding a terse conversation with the nation's governors this morning on a video conference call. We'll get all the details. Gary and Shannon will continue. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Coming up at 1 o'clock, Alex Stone will join us to talk about police in Southern California keeping an eye out for fresh issues today as we move into this evening. Also, we will go live to Minneapolis. Uh, This has been one week since the death of George Floyd started all of the unrest See yeah. what it's like there today. Uh, George Floyd's family, by the way, paid for an independent autopsy, and the results of that are starting to trickle in. Uh, the, I'm not sure who the forensic pathologist is that did the. It's Michael Baden. It is Michael Baden. Yeah. Um, understand that the report does say it was asphyxia. Yeah. That was, uh, and it was caused by compression of the neck and the back. Um, in terms of curfews to pay attention to. Los Angeles County will be under a curfew at 6 p.m. tonight, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., like we saw yesterday, which means unless you're out for work, basically, or emergency, you're not supposed to be out. The cities of Beverly Hills, Santa Monica, and Long Beach have pushed up their curfew times. So Beverly Hills, Santa Monica, and Long Beach business districts, the curfew is imposed at 1 o'clock, so 40 minutes from now. It's crazy, isn't it? And then 4 o'clock citywide for Beverly Hills, Santa Monica, and Long Beach. Again, if you're in those cities, those citywide curfews begin at 4 p.m., and unless you are out for work or emergency reasons, you're not supposed to be out. So plan ahead. Um, 
Anonymous seems to have resurfaced. They've, uh, they're, they're having a moment right now. During all of this. Um, I mean, after years of relative quiet, they have reemerged. And uh, they're, they're, uh, they're all into the various forms of cyber attack. Um, first, they took the uh, Minneapolis Police Department website offline. Over the weekend. They also at one point had infiltrated the Chicago Police Department's radio system and were playing uh, an NWA classic over the police radios. I don't know how that problem was resolved. Um, There was also an allegation that last night they were going to unleash legal documents that tied Donald Trump to Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. And we knew they knew each other. I mean, there's video of the two of them together. But This wasn't a total shock because the last time we saw them, I think it was when uh, Michael Brown was shot and killed in Ferguson, 2014. That's when members of Anonymous threatened to target the city if the protesters were harmed. They disabled the city's website. They compromised communications at City Hall. They targeted the city's police chief. Later that year, they declared war on the KKK, releasing personal details of the alleged members online. They attacked Black Lives Matter uh, website over alleged anti-white racism. The um, This is one of those issues that I know that the FBI has had. A, they've been looking at anonymous for for years, ever since they really popped up. But it's one of those things that I don't know how you, bless you, I don't know how you combat this. This is not a, well, it is very well run. I was going to say it's not a well run. It's not a centralized organization. I mean, there are just dozens, if not a couple hundred people with this technical savvy that they unleash on whoever they choose as their target. And... It's one of those bizarre, very 20th, 21st century things that we, I don't know if we have a way to, to, to stop them. Some people would say we shouldn't stop them uh, because they're, you know, WikiLeaks on steroids if, because of their ability to get and find information and hold information hostage in some cases. So just the, uh, the bottom of this hour, um, Andrew Dimbert is going to join us. We're going to go to Washington, D.C. And there was a call with the president with the nation's governor, some sort of teleconference this morning. And the president is being railed by some of the governors because he railed on them, telling them that they have to dominate these out-of-control pro- uh, protests, called on law enforcement to get much tougher, blamed all of this on the radical left – and even if you were a Democrat governor who wanted to stand up to the president, he was willing to shout you down, apparently, in this phone call. The news coming out this hour just moments ago, of course, we mentioned it briefly, is the family's personal autopsy of George Floyd. Uh, the official autopsy described in the criminal complaint against that officer uh said that the effects of restraint contributed to George Floyd's death, but it ruled out asphyxiation or strangulation. This independent autopsy has found the inverse of that. They they say that he did die of asphyxiation from sustained pressure on his back and 
neck. Again, a lot of protesters wanting to know what's going on with the other three officers that watched as George Floyd was killed that day. When are charges coming in those cases? And the last we heard from the DA is there may be more charges to come. We're going through that. Um, But they did appear to rush to charges quicker than they ever have for a police officer um, trying to calm everyone down. And you know what? That did not work. I can't imagine what it would have been had they not arrested him yet. Oh, I mean, if they'd taken the normal time that it would take to arrest uh, yeah. a police officer in that situation. Uh, all right. When we come back, we'll we'll get into Swamp Watch. Uh, like you said, we've also got Alex Stone coming up at the one o'clock hour talking about uh, the how the National Guard has been involved and how local police in Southern California trying to keep an eye out for the new problems. And then to Minneapolis as well. We'll talk about the latest about what's going on in I guess you would call it ground zero of uh, of our unrest. Gary and Shannon will continue. AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Following a couple of different angles about what's going on locally. And there are a couple of different um, social media posts that point to some activity in uh, Covina, West Covina at Barranca. And police have set up some areas for people to protest. And understanding is that uh, it would be peaceful. Although there are warnings we have seen that uh, those who would do bad things have used these otherwise peaceful protests as cover to go out and do dangerous things. That's why we've seen uh, Los Angeles County put in effect a six o'clock curfew. And then a handful of cities, including Beverly Hills, Santa Monica and Long Beach, put in 4 p.m. curfews. And even in those three cities, 1 p.m. curfews for their business districts. So uh, it's there will be or should be peaceful protests that are out there today. And as we've seen, they can be used as cover. So 1230, we dive into Washington. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Well, the president today had a, a teleconference, a video news conference with uh, governors from around the nation. And uh, he was uh, taking a hard line against some of the violence that has uh, come out in basically every major city and a lot of the minor cities throughout the United States. Andrew Dimbert has been covering the story out of Washington, D.C. Andrew, uh, we've seen different versions of uh, this conversation, but for the most part, everybody seems to agree the president was pretty upset about all of this. Yeah, in fact, the president and Attorney General William Barr kept using the word dominate over a dozen times. They used this word saying that these governors need to dominate the out-of-control protests 
essentially calling on law enforcement to get tougher. And the president also blaming most of this unrest squarely on what he called the radical left. And there wasn't one exchange on this call, just to give you an example, uh, between President Trump and Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Pritzker grew pretty agitated. He said to the president that he was concerned about the rhetoric that President Trump's been using. And the president kind of fired back that he didn't like Pritzker's rhetoric either. And so here we are. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the president talking about, again, dominating nearly a dozen times, describing how law enforcement should kind of maneuver themselves. And the president also was accusatory on this call, according to our sources, that, you know, he accused many of these governors of being too slow to call for federal help like the National Guard. What was the other feedback uh, aside from the the governor of Illinois? How how was this taken did anybody else comment or you know a lot of a lot of from what we're hearing a lot of other governors even said that they didn't want to comment or criticize the president and sort of throw fuel to the fire uh, there were some other moments basically where the president and attorney general Barr spoke about for example antifa um, this this leftist group that the president says the White House will designate as a terror organization. And we've been looking into this, reporting this uh, today as well. And that's going to be kind of a, a tricky thing to do for the for the White House, because doing so from a First Amendment standpoint has legal challenges. For example, like even in terms of ISIS uh, and other international terrorist groups, federal terrorism statutes don't make it a crime just to be a member of these organizations, believe it or not. After all, how do you kind of define and prove of someone being a member? Instead, federal terrorism statutes make it a crime to provide material support to these designated foreign foreign terrorist organizations. And it's also important to note that uh, in the history of the United States, a domestic group has never been labeled officially labeled a terrorist organization. So that was a a point of the conversation as well. Andrew, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Andrew Dimbert there in D.C. Let's go to uh, Sacramento. Gavin Newsom providing the state update. uh, People in my position uh, are inadequate to the moment. Uh, So often we try to meet the moment with rhetoric. Uh, We feign resolve. We make a point to assert Uh, a new paradigm, Uh, and yet over and over and over and over again, we hear the names of those whose lives have been lost, have been taken, justice uh, that was never advanced, uh, and communities continuing to feel that they're not only being torn asunder, but not being listened to. Uh, And I fear, as I know many Americans fear, uh, that we could be back in that moment. Every moment when you're in it feels like it's a different moment. Every moment when we're in it, we feel like, well, this time we're going to do things fundamentally differently yet. Over and over and over and over again, we don't meet that next moment. Over and over and over again, we fail to rationalize the goodwill and we fail to materialize uh, and manifest the ideals that we so often assert. And so I come here today, place of worship, humbled by that past, humbled by the fact that I've been part of that past as a former county supervisor, as a former mayor, as a former lieutenant governor, as a governor of the nation's largest state. The question I have to ask myself, the question we have to ask ourselves, are are we capable of not just meeting this moment, but capable of doing justice to the moments in front of us? 
I could put together a group of advisors. I could put together a task force. I could promise and promote a few pieces of legislation. But I said this on Friday. I'll say it again. Program passing is not problem solving. You got to change hearts, minds. You got to change culture, not just laws. And we have to own up to some very difficult things. The black community is not responsible for what's happening in this country right now. We are. We are. Our institutions are responsible. We are accountable to this moment. Let's just call that out. We have a unique responsibility to the black community in this country, and we've been playing slip service about that for generations. Generations. Just things move away in headlines, and we indulge on the margins, but we don't systemically, foundationally address the root of these issues. We prune. We don't tear out the institutional racism from all of our institutions, large and small. We don't. We know that. And the community knows that. You're seeing that manifested out in the streets in the last five days. They know that. The question is, do we do deeply understand that? Do we or are we prepared to do something differently about it? Each and every one of us watching, what are we going to do differently, foundationally, fundamentally, not in the short run, but in the long run, to do justice to this moment? People have lost patience because they haven't seen progress. So if you're out there saying, well, people need to be patient, consider People have lost patience for a reason. They've been told that over and over and over and over again. Not just the 52 years I've been around. My parents, my grandparents, their parents' generation heard the same. Just be patient. Heck, I've quoted Dr. King on ad nauseum. A long arch of history bends towards justice. You've made progress. But this is a manifestation of everything we've been promoting that we haven't delivered. People have lost patience. And if leaders, and if leaders are going to meet not just this moment, but the moments in front of us, we better start listening. We better start hearing people. We better own up to our own responsibility, own accountability that led to this moment. Society becomes how we Behave. We are our behaviors. Each and every one of us has an obligation to do more and better. And folks in my position, more still. I get that. I own that. But leaders can be found everywhere. Leadership's not just some fancy title. We are desperate for leadership in this country, desperate for leadership in the state of California, desperate for leadership in communities large and small. Leaders can be found anywhere. You don't have to be something to do something, to soften the edges. And in the spirit of Bobby Kennedy, make more gentle the life of this world. Dr. King didn't wait to become president of the United States to exercise his authority. Every day he shared his moral authority. 
Each and every one of us has the capacity to exercise their moral authority every day. And we need moral leaders now more than ever. Each and every one of us has that capacity, resides inside of us. It's our capacity to lead by example, to find our better angels, to focus on the things that unite us, not what divide us, and to reinforce a sense of optimism because we recognize we have to do things differently and we're resolved to prove that, not just assert that, and to hold ourselves to account because each of us will be judged and judge each other to the extent we do justice and advance our cause in a different way. And so I am here as your governor, humbled over the course of the last five days, resolved to keep the peace, but recognizing that an armed camp is not a place of peace and that the answer to violence is not more violence. And then if we're going to create the conditions to truly advance police, people have to know we mean it. And they have to know that they matter and we care. And so for those of you that are out there protesting, I want you to know you matter. And I want you to know I care, we care. And I don't want to just demonstrate that rhetorically. I want you to know that I have a unique responsibility to prove that to you, not just to serve. You've lost patience, so have I. You are right to feel wronged. You are right to feel the way you are feeling. And we, collectively, society has a responsibility to you to be better and to do better. To those that want to exploit this moment, that want to flame the violence and fear, we hear you as well, but we don't have the same sensitivities as it relates to those that are trying to exercise their voice from a place of hurt and pain. When you try to cause pain on others, when you're out there to exploit conditions, not advance the cause of justice, that is not serving the greater good, and we need to also call that out. The looting, the violence, the threats against fellow human beings that has no place in this state and in this nation. We as a society need to call that out. And we need to call forth our better angels and those that want to express themselves and have thank you. God bless you. Keep doing it. Your rage is real. Express it so that we can hear it. Let's not let others drown out that rage and those that want to advance this cause in a responsible and thoughtful way. I'm not patient any longer. I know you're not. We hear you, and we have a responsibility now to prove to you, not just to assert, that we're capable of being more and doing better as a society and a community. And so I just, again, want to express my deep gratitude, my deep humility to those leaders of every stripe that all across this state and all across our nation are doing justice in this moment. Those demonstrators that were reaching out and trying to calm other people, to those 
community leaders that were out there with brooms in the early morning sweeping up glass to folks that, you know, were on the periphery that said, you know what, I can't stand on the periphery any longer. I need to be part of this effort. Thank you to all of your examples as well. So much good and so much right that's out there. But there is a stain in the history of this country we have concealed, and it's rearing its head again because we've never It's the issue of racism. The pastor is exactly right. Pandemic on top of a pandemic. Impacting our health, impacting our economy, and impacting our capacity to live up to our greatest ideals. We could talk about being bound together by a web of mutuality, as Dr. King said. And if that's the case, we need to reconcile that fact that we are all in this together. The Bible teaches us we're many many parts but at the end of the day we're one body and when one part suffers we all suffer we have an obligation to reconcile the fact that our fate is tied to the fate of others South Africa called Ubuntu I am because you are time for more empathy more care more capacity to collaborate. A society that's about dominance and aggression, this is what you get. Not because the protesters, but the conditions that led to this moment where protest was inevitable. So we are committed and resolved to bringing peace back to the streets, not only in the state, but to support the efforts all across this nation. We'll do our part, but it's not just a situational moment. We have to focus on the medium and long term, and we have to prove our commitment and our resolve in that space. So I just want to thank all the leaders, not only again assembled here, but throughout this state once again, for your courage, because now is a time for courage. Now is time for your voice to be brought to the forefront. And let me thank all of those that are doing their best to keep people safe under very difficult circumstances, and all of those uh, leaders that are out there supporting others, keeping people safe, our communities, large and small, all across the state of California safe at this very trying and difficult moment. So with that, we're happy to take any questions. We, of course, happy to uh, also uh, step aside and have members of the community uh, respond as well. Thank you, Governor. Sophia Bolag here from the Sacramento Bee. I'll be asking questions on behalf of the press corps today. Um, many of us would like to know what your reaction is to uh, Trump's comments this morning to governors to get tough on protesters. Uh, my reaction is the meeting I just had. My reaction are the words that I just spoke. My reaction is my commitment to the people of this state, the most diverse state and the world's most diverse democracy, to focus on the things that unite us, not what divides us, to make sure people are safe, but to make sure people recognize that there's something that lies deep underneath that has come to the fore that needs to be dealt with, with an equivalency of energy, focus, and resolve. Uh, we will provide the resources as needed uh, to members of our community leaders all up and down the state of California. But we must 
resolve to provide those resources to address these systemic problems uh, at the same time. You've avoided criticizing the president since the start of the pandemic. Should we interpret your comments today as a criticism of what he said this morning? I have a choice. We all have a choice. I could be part of the daily back and forth in the news cycle and continue to perpetuate the problems that persist in this country. I could choose to go back and forth and just be another uh, voice in that cause. Uh, Or I can choose to focus a message that I think is so much more powerful and I hope more residents, people watching, and that is I care more about them than some of the noise I heard on a morning phone call. Um, You said that the country needs leadership right now. Do you think that uh, the president is providing adequate leadership? As I said, leadership can be found anywhere. In the absence of leaders, of people in positions of formal authority, we have people that exercise their moral authority each and every day. Church leaders, community leaders, faith-based leaders of all stripes, teachers, parents, caregivers, people, strangers walking the street that exercise their moral authority by trying to soften the edges of people that are apt to do more harm and create more violence. Leaders in law enforcement that meet this moment, that recognize the empathy that's called for as well. Uh, That kind of leadership is desperately needed in this nation and is ample if people begin to exercise it. And that's my hope and that's my resolve is to find those leaders to call for more of that kind of leadership in this country. Tim Pucco of the Wall Street Journal would like to know what the plan is tonight for managing protests and dealing with break-ins and theft, and in particular, what changes or tactics you're supporting to de-escalate confrontations, violence, and damage. Well, we're working with mayors in cities and counties, large and small, sheriffs, uh, and obviously working with leaders of the community, not just those in law enforcement, uh, to exercise more uh, control, more authority, again, moral authority, not just formal authority, to address the issue of violence. Uh, as many know, uh, we have been working with mayors on deploying uh, National Guard, the two resources the state of California has from a law enforcement perspective, California Highway Patrol, which has been on tactical alert for days, 12-hour shifts uh, up and down the state of California, working mutual aid positions, pre-positioned, and also uh, in strike teams to react. Uh, The National Guard was brought up. uh, Over 3,400 National Guardsmen and women uh, were called up. Today we added another 1,100, so we have over 4,500 National Guard men and women. Uh, uh, that are available throughout the state of California. Uh, Part of the protocols of mutual aid, it's a bottom-up process, not a top-down process. Uh, Mayors working with their chiefs, uh, working to coordinate and collaborate the deployment of those teams. Uh, The National Guard, uh, as you know, have been been already distributed parts of the state, disproportionately concentrated in Southern California. But in Northern California, uh, we have people pre-assembled. Uh, We have folks in other parts of the state uh, that have been called back up, but uh, thousands and thousands of National Guards men and women, uh, by the way, uh, who are also members of the community, uh, many putting on their uniform, dentists, doctors, folks that work in construction uh, that are part uh, of that group uh, that are participating uh, in making sure that we keep the peace Uh, and will continue to uh, meet the requests, we believe, of uh, every mayor and uh, every 
uh, police chief in the state. We've done so so far, and we intend to continue to. So are you waiting for local leaders to ask you for help uh, before deploying more National Guardsmen and women, or are you proactively sending them to places that you think need help? Well, you cannot proactively send them in without creating more problems than you fix. If the state of California from the state capitol is sending National Guardsmen and women without concurrence, support, collaboration, and coordination through the mutual aid system, through a spirit of collaboration and support at the county level and the local level, uh, then that's a recipe for more problems. The process we have today is well-established, very formal. It's a mutual aid process uh, established uh, as just two proxy examples in the Bay Area and Oakland and in San Francisco. San Francisco had mutual aid yesterday from Tulare County, from Santa Barbara County, other parts of the state coming in to provide mutual aid into the city and county of San Francisco. Uh, similarly, mutual aid from surrounding regions into Oakland, other parts of the state, uh, a mutual aid approach first, working with CHP to help coordinate and collaborate uh, as it relates to efforts uh, on freeways, as it relates to uh, jurisdictions uh, where those lines begin to blur, and then the National Guard on top of that to come for logistical supports. But all of that is done through a command and support structure that has a local framework uh, that is appropriate in order to keep all of these jurisdictions and keep the law enforcement approach uh, in a very organized manner and keep people safe. Are you planning any statewide actions to deal with the protests tonight, like a statewide curfew or anything like that? Uh, we believe the conditions are very different in Del Norte uh, versus other parts of the state, Imperial or places in San Diego, different than even uh, here in the Bay Area. So each and every jurisdiction, as a former mayor, I understand this intimately, uh, has made determinations based on conditions as they see them in real time. Curfews as early as 1 p.m. Uh, in some parts of the state, uh, others uh, as late as 8 p.m. And that is a determination made uh, by the experts on the ground based upon the conditions uh, in their communities. Statewide, we have 7,000 California Highway Patrol. Uh, again, full tactical alert have been for days uh, with protective gear all up and down the state of California. Uh, working again to deploy the National Guard, an additional 1,100 uh, guardsmen and women uh, that are deployed uh, just today, uh, thousands over the last few days. We are looking, we have many National Guardsmen and women working on COVID response. Uh, we are looking at a subset of those on COVID response to see if we can preposition and make uh, them available uh, to meet the needs of. Yeah, and Bill Bratton was the was the brainchild behind. I miss Bill Bratton. I don't know where he is. He's, he, he's probably I think just, he's a consultant. I was just going to say he's consul- making all kinds of money in yeah. New York City somewhere. 
Uh, we have been following a couple of things. Number one, Governor Newsom is giving an update in Sacramento about the state's response and responsibilities when it comes to the peaceful protests, but also the rioting and looting uh, and his call for the National Guard to be deployed to different areas around the state um, has been responding to reporters' questions, and we'll keep an eye on that. He did, unfortunately, use the term, find our better angels. So um, that means that at one point, Garcetti's on the phone with Newsom, and yeah. Newsom says, hey, Eric, I heard your comments about finding our better angels. I really like that one. If you don't mind, I'm going to borrow it. We'll share it. And then Gavin's and, and then Eric said, oh, Gavin, I really liked it when you talked about moments. I'm going to integrate moments into my remarks as well, if that's OK. I just want to know who they think they're speaking to. Who is each it? Other. That is, who, each other. <laughs> they're just having a competition as to how who can out moment each can other more with this eloquent hybrid bifurcated reality that we now live in. There they're, were a lot of moments in those remarks. I, I actually want to isolate those moments. Two other things that are going on right now. New York City is apparently going to impose a curfew, our understanding. And I'm not sure. Uh, let me double check because I wasn't sure if it was the city or the state. Um, the governor says the curfew could be adopted in New York City because of the violence and that was associated with protests last night. And then an independent autopsy has been done on George Floyd. And the paren- uh, forensic pathologist came out and said George Floyd was dead on the street. We know that he was pronounced dead at the hospital, but that it was likely that he died after about four or five minutes of being on the ground. Well, he was unresponsive for the remaining nearly three minutes that the knee was on his throat. He had no pulse. Uh, And uh, differing from the official autopsy, this forensic pathologist said that the death was caused by asphyxiation brought on by compression of the neck and the back. Well, the National Guard has been called in. In fact, the governor said another 1,100 National Guard members have been called up to assist cities throughout the state with the protests. Alex Stone is in downtown Los Angeles, joins us now. What does the scene look like today, Alex? Hey, guys, it is uh, eerily quiet here in downtown right now. I'm at City Hall right now, right across from LAPD headquarters. No sign of the National Guard here. They were here early this morning. They were here yesterday, but right now they must be napping because they're not here. You drive down Broadway and people are either boarding up or they've already boarded up from this weekend. And a lot of LAPD just kind of cruising around. There are a few who are standing outside of LAPD headquarters behind barricades, the the little barricades that have been set up uh, around City Hall as well. But, I mean, except for a little bit of traffic, it's, it's eerily quiet out here. That is one of the, the, the strange phenomenon that we've seen over the last few days. One place can be a hot spot one day. It switches the next. Um, there have been a lot of uh, social media posts about Van Nuys and Sherman Oaks and Encino. El Monte, West Covina. Yeah, all of these different places that, that uh, exist that could potentially be the spot that today becomes an issue. Um how do you how do how does law enforcement keep up with that? How do they decide where it is they're going to deploy over the 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 wide swath that is L.A. City, for example? Well, let me tell you, they're really watching social media because that is a big part of this. And they believe that over the weekend that that played a major role in Friday night and Saturday night here in uh, the, the downtown area and uh, the other areas in, in L.A. and then Santa Monica and then Huntington Beach and Long Beach last night. There are a lot of potentials 
we know Burbank is talking about that they're looking at social media and in one area that, that they're monitoring that may turn out to be nothing. Van Nuys, that has turned out to be very, very minor today. The, the big event that was planned, that got canceled. There is so much fear in communities now. You know, over the weekend, there were fears about Santa Clarita. There was a uh, tweet going around. wasn't even a real tweet. The, the username was at username, which should have been the, the sign that, that the supposed screenshot that somebody took, that it wasn't real. But it freaked people out that there was a supposed message that people were going to go and the way the message went, get the rich white people in Santa Clarita. Well, that turned out to be nothing. But it freaked people out. The sheriff's department had to prepare in case anybody did show up. That's what they're having to do. That, you know, kind of any it's cliche. It's been used over and over again, but it's cat and mouse all over the place right now. It's quiet here right now. Will it be in four hours or five hours when the, the curfew goes into place? Who knows? But at this point, there's a homeless dude asleep in front of me right now. There was one person who walked by about 20 minutes ago holding up a sign that said Black Lives Matter, and some people were honking going by. But mainly it's police standing around. Other than that, not a whole lot. Is the National Guard out there? No, I I haven't seen them uh, since this morning. We haven't uh, seen them around here. My guess would be that they will be back tonight at curfew time. But uh, at both entrances on the... I guess it would be the northern and southern entrances of City Hall where they were. Now it's police just kind of standing around, really nothing going on. But, no, they're not out here right now. Uh, all right. Well, it's going to be another busy day regardless of what happens and how violent or nonviolent it, uh, it stays today. Alex, thank, thank you. Appreciate you. it. You got it. Thanks, guys. It looks like Santa Monica has upped its curfew from 4.30 to – or from 4 to one thirty. So City of Santa Monica has a curfew starting at 1.30 in 15 minutes in broad daylight. Beverly Hills already under curfew as we speak. Broad daylight. Looks like L.A. County will have another 6 p.m. curfew to 6 a.m. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Also under curfew. This has just been incredible. You know, I have these moments in the day like... This is the same feeling I had maybe a month or two ago where I'd just be driving to work and I'm like, holy hell, like we are under this pandemic. Like what? This is nuts. We're in a movie. And I just had another one of those moments of this is all happening. It's so surreal. This whole year has been so surreal. Going back to the Kobe Bryant crash and seeing that on Instagram, that alert and what? Did you know there was an impeachment of the president also? There was a, there was that, that happened. That was a thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, we come back a little bit more into this private autopsy that was done on George Floyd. The family attorney says the cause of death was asphyxiation. That is uh, almost at odds with the official autopsy. We'll explain some of the details of that when we come back. But I didn't get smarter like mama said. AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Coming up after Amy's news at the bottom of the hour, we will go live to Minneapolis. One week following the death of George Floyd, his family coming up with its own private autopsy results that are in contrast to what the official autopsy says, as we thought that they would be.
Well, we've been uh, following a handful of stories. We do know that there are some uh, protests that have started in uh, Van Nuys, for example. There's several dozen people out on the streets that are holding signs there uh, in sidewalks, I believe, in front of the Van Nuys courthouse. Uh, and they're on their sidewalks. They're not in the street or anything like that. We saw the problem of peaceful, powerful, loud protests over these last several days then then get overshadowed by violence, by destruction, by graffiti, by vandalism, by looting. We wondered what we could do, what everyone could do to help out. And Long Beach City Councilman Rex Rex Richardson has come up with a plan for people to get involved, help put the city back together. Councilman, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, for coming on the air with us. And uh, how has the how has the morning gone so far? Well, I'll tell you, the, the images yesterday were, were difficult for all of us who, who love our community. Um, many of us you know, participated in peaceful protests, and we're just as shocked by what took place in Minneapolis. That's really called into question many cities and requiring us to all kind of check under the hood. Uh, and this morning, um, we sprung into action. Hundreds, if not thousands of residents took to the streets today they cleaned up every piece of broken glass. They poured up all of the, the broken windows. Uh, it, it, it's a really incredible um, scene. The downtown, been, although, you know, it was difficult to see what happened, uh, hundreds of people out this morning as early as 7 a.m. cleaning it up. It looks completely different today. North Long Beach, uh, a lot of our, our sites we love, the Michelle Obama Library, the Houghton Park Community Center, they were not damaged. That is a good thing. The images coming out. We're not of our police department fighting with the, with the community. You didn't see any of those images. Well, you saw you saw some destruction, uh, but the majority of what happened was peaceful. Uh, and so I think uh, that restraint that folks had it's difficult sometimes. But I think our our police officers demonstrated uh, really incredible uh, uh, restraint and stuck to their training yesterday, which is which is important. And today, it's our job as the community to come together, acknowledge what needs to be changed across the country and within our own communities, and get to work rebuilding our community. It is one of the great stories when you have a police department that maybe historically hasn't had the best relationship with a community, and a lot of work has been done with with the, the two sides, really. Um, you see it with the LAPD and you see it with Long Beach police. And it's nice to see that, that mutual respect. Most of the protesters were not from Long Beach. Is that what I'm, what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, this, this, there were a lot of Long Beach community members there. Um, and and there were folks to be clear, the, the violence, the looting, the destruction that you saw, they were not Long Beach. That that was not Long Beach. There are, there are very organized groups that are going from city to city taking advantage of a peaceful, meaningful protest that people have fought a long time for and uh, and uh, attempting to upstage or shadow those things uh, by looting and taking advantage of, of community. I, cond- I, I, I condemn that activity, uh, and I will not let it overshadow the importance of, of, of why we in a country uh, are at this, at this moment. It's a watershed moment in our country. The, the way that cities are resilient means we have to be prepared for pandemics. We have to have... Uh, strong economic development, and we have to have a real commitment to racial equity. If, it can, if things can happen in Minneapolis, they can happen anywhere. Uh, we've talked many times on this show about the power of just physical work, physical labor uh, to, to kind of calm the mind and keep, your, keep everything straight. 
Can you talk about how important it is to just be able to get out there and physically do something to help in a situation where people feel so frustrated about a lack of, of power? I mean, whether whether it's uh, uh, Minneapolis that, that has set this off, whether it's 12 weeks of being in coronavirus lockdown, just being able to get out and physically do something can be very healthy. Or not. <laughs> Did we lose him? Councilman, are you there? Maybe not. Oh, well, that was great. Listen, I, I love his. He put out a tweet earlier today. Uh, actually, it was last night yeah. that said our city is strong. We're resilient. We will transcend and overcome this. Um, and then uh, later on wrote back that he, you know, for, that where they would be doing this at 7 a.m. at Harvey Milk Park and 12 p.m. at Houghton Park. Um, Councilman Richardson, I just want I was just asking. I, we didn't get to hear your answer about the importance of sure. even even just physical labor to give you the ability to feel like you can give back in a situation that can otherwise be incredibly frustrating. Absolutely. Uh, last night we were all, we, you know, we were all were, were in a, a different state. We were hurt. Uh, there was a lot of motion, and some people need a day to just sit, sit in it and, and, and grieve and reflect, and that's okay. Uh, but, you know, it's good to have coping skills. It's good to be around other people who, who love their city uh, and want to make a difference. Um, we all we're all a part of the same social fabric. All of these things happening in our country they affect they affect all of us. It shows that even Long Beach, even Long Beach is not immune to this greater conversation of what's happening in our country. Getting out, cleaning up, picking up trash, pulling up weeds, sweeping up glass, it's a reaffirm it's a reaffirming it's reaffirming our commitment to our community. Yeah, because it's... we're going to have a long road ahead in terms of the economic recovery with respect to COVID nineteen, and 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 we need to band together. Yeah, it's symbolic, really. You know, it's because there's going to be a lot to clean up uh, after we're done with this. And uh, one of the other things that's good for these cleanup efforts that you that you organize, like there in Long Beach today, is the opportunity for conversation between people too that may not have had the same life experiences. Right. Right. Yesterday, I sent a video out on, on my Facebook page uh, talking about the. Um, talking about the curfews, but I took it as an opportunity to, to really try to share some understanding in my own experiences. I was raised, uh, my grandfather, my great-grandfather uh, built a store down in Alabama where my family is from, and it was burned down by the Ku Klux Klan. My mother, uh, in 1969, she was uh, a part of integrating schools uh, 15 years after Brown versus Board of Education. As a young man in California, I remember, you know, being handcuffed and detained simply for meeting sitting description, spending four hours as a 14-year-old kid uh, in, a, in, in a room being detained um, for fitting the description. And, and these are experiences that, that sometimes, as a public leader, we're shunned for talking about. But we're in a moment that there's really no space for uh, being afraid uh, to, to really talk about the current status of affairs and, and to condemn those things because it really has no place. Racism, implicit bias has no real place in a modern society, a modern American city, and we all have a responsibility to root it out. Well, Rex Richardson, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time and the message. Thank you. Long Beach City Councilman there. And we hope that tonight is is quieter. Um, We are seeing images from around the country at this point, uh, mostly peaceful protests in D.C. There are a lot of people around the, uh, the Capitol building. 
in Atlanta. There are people that are marching towards the downtown area, but again, mostly peaceful, loud and powerful protests, but at this point, peaceful. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. We know that there are people also in Van Nuys uh, and rumors of uh, a peaceful protest that's planned for the Covina, West Covina area a little bit later today. Uh, I think two o'clock is when that's planned. So when we come back, though, Ryan Burrow is going to join us. From Minneapolis, the latest on what's going on at what has really become the ground zero of these uh, protests over the death of George Floyd. It's also a social media thing that's been happening. And I haven't, What's that? Well, there's reports of bricks, pallets of bricks, loads of bricks that are being left off in areas where there's no construction going around. And on the one hand, you have people believing that the police are planting them so that protesters will use them and the police can then charge them with stronger charges. Oh, I see. Oh, wait. Or on the other hand... It's that protesters or whoever's bankrolling this thing are just having happening to leave piles of bricks in places where there wouldn't be any construction so that they could be used as weapons. A lot of conspiracy theories out there. It's amazing. Uh, George Floyd's brother pleading for peace in the streets, saying violence is not going to bring my brother back at all. It was one week ago today that George Floyd was killed there in Minneapolis. Ryan Burrow is there and is covering uh, all of the aftermath and quite the memorial there for George Floyd, Ryan. Yeah, it's a growing memorial every single day. There are more flowers, more candles, and more people uh, just gathered in this intersection at 38th and Let's see if we can get a better uh, connection there. Yeah. Let's get Ryan. We'll put him on hold there, and we'll get Ryan a call back on another line or something. Um, it's a massive memorial, though. It does look almost like what we saw after Kobe Bryant's death at Staples. Yeah, and it, the, this is just a pl- – I mean, it's not – Staples Center at least had an area that you could – you know, there's a big plaza there that right. would be uh, amenable to that. This was. This is just a street. It's just a corner of a street, and it's just been overcome by uh, people using it as – uh, I don't know, a, a shrine, uh, an altar, whatever you want to call it, to to George Floyd uh, and his memory and what it is that it, you know means to so many people on top of everything that's been going on economically, socially, um, physically because of our health issues that have been going on with the pandemic and coronavirus. So strange. All right, Ryan Burrow is back. We'll see if we can get him a little bit better. Sorry about that, Ryan. Your, your line was breaking up on our end. Yeah. A lot of people here, so I'm sure a lot of data is getting used up. But uh, yeah, it was the first one. All right. Um, well, maybe uh, uh, tomorrow. Sorry, <laughs> it's just too hard. You guys have a good point. There are all kinds of people that are. It there. is true. Um, I, I was going to ask him. It seems like it's been relatively peaceful. Is there uh, as well there today in Minneapolis? You are hearing people, uh, protesters, chants, what's his name, George Floyd. Uh, This is right in the area where that memorial is, where that police officer uh, pressed his knee into George Floyd's neck for 
oh, nearly nine minutes, even uh, nearly three minutes after he had stopped moving and was unresponsive. Uh, again, George Floyd's brother, Terrence, says violence is not going to bring his brother back. And he urged protesters to do this another way. He was wearing a face mask with George's image on it. He kneeled silently and that prompted many of the people with him to join him kneeling there on the ground. I don't know if you saw on Saturday, I believe it was, there was a quite a scene of CNN that uh, one of the reporters there in Minneapolis in the midst of a protest caught up with the police chief and uh, Madaria Arredondo at the scene where George Floyd was killed, where the protest was taking place. And he was asked a question she basically breaks in. He had been giving sort of an impromptu news conference with some of the reporters that were there. And she breaks in because on the other end of the line was one of George Floyd's brothers. And at that point or up to that point, the police chief had not spoken to anybody in George Floyd's family. This is after the arrest. I mean, this is this is Saturday afternoon that this happened. And she walked up and basically interrupted the interviews that were going on. And he, in a moment, basically explained his reaction to what was what had happened and, and, and his opinions of those police officers. But I also wanted to be in a space where people who love Mr. Floyd, I wanted to be in space where people are talking about how do we heal and how do we move from this? And so um, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. And I think that everyone here is trying to it's, it, and everyone here is trying to do the best that they can to, to offer what their feelings and, and that's, those are all valid. Um, but I just, I just needed to be here in this space today and, um, and, and offer my, my respects. Let, let me ask you about what happened with Officer Derek Chauvin. First off, he had 18 complaints filed against him. 16 of those complaints uh, were declined. They did not do anything to him. Two of those complaints, he did get censured. Should he have been on the force in the first place? Well, I, I sir, we need to absolutely look at the, the record of those uh, types of complaints that officers or employees get throughout. There's, there's all types of other things that come into play in terms of whether it's uh, grievances and arbitrations and those things. But at the end of the day, our community members need to know that the men and women that put this badge on, that they are doing so in service to them, and they should not. And they should not have to doubt. They should not have to doubt the integrity and and if they're going to be treated in a compassionate and professional way. And so now the chief later on, uh, when it turned out that Sarah Sidner, the reporter, had in her ear George Floyd's brother asking a question of the chief, she was able to break in and say, "I'm I'm talking to." George Floyd's brother right here in my earpiece, and he has a question for you. And it was about the complicity of the other three officers, if the chief thought that was. And he was taken aback, the chief was, because he hadn't realized that the brother was listening to this whole thing. Right. And he did this, and it was a very – she pointed it out later when she spoke about it. He did something that was a, a, just a tiny movement that meant a lot. He took his hat off. You know, he's wearing, he's wearing his wow. full uniform, his full yeah. dress uniform here. He took his hat off. Out of respect to the family to, you know, in response to the question, he's explaining it's heartbreaking. And I believe that these other three officers were complicit as well. Yeah, Uh, it's just it was one of those moments about this whole situation that is going to be memorable. It's going to stick out. Yes, absolutely. All right. Gary and Shannon will wrap it all up when we come back.
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We've been uh, keeping our eyes on today, thankfully, some of the cleanup efforts that have been going on in different areas that were hit last night. Uh, We're looking at uh, Santa Monica, Long Beach, places that had been cleaned up. Beverly Hills already under curfew for the past hour, uh, nearly an hour. Santa Monica under curfew as of 1.30. Burbank has issued a curfew starting at 5 p.m. tonight. Uh, Long Beach also. uh, But the county-wide, L.A. County, has a curfew for 6 o'clock. So if you're not in one of those areas that has an earlier curfew, 6 o'clock is the curfew for L.A. County. We're not alone. It's not the only place we're doing it. We're seeing it in other places around the country, these curfews that have been set. New York City, which amazingly to this point had not imposed a curfew. Right. Imposed it will impose a curfew at eleven o'clock tonight, and then uh, Washington D.C. They say that their curfew has been imposed or will be imposed at seven o'clock tonight, um, as we try to tamp down the amount of uh, violence and rioting that we've seen, looting that we've seen in different areas. As we saw yesterday, though, in Santa Monica, for example, the curfew was set at four o'clock. They didn't start enforcing the curfew in terms of arresting people for violating curfew until four hours later. Right. And they were given people were given plenty of opportunity to leave the streets. So do you want a coronavirus update? I didn't know there was one. Is yeah. There a coronavirus well, still? yeah, it's a it's a pandemic that uh, we used to talk about every day for four hours. Didn't ring a bell. Go on. L.A. County reporting another 22 deaths. Remember, today is Monday if you're keeping count. Score. Monday, June 1st. Welcome to June. <laughs> God. Uh, I said this early in the show. I feel like there's a point where, I mean, we, we sit in this room and we are insulated from all of that, whatever's going on outside. But we talk about it and we're looking at it, you know, for four hours. Last night, uh, my wife and I did this thing where we sat down. And, you know, there's a good hour or so where every, everything's off. Listen to some music or something that's not. I know it's a privilege that I have the hour of quiet time. How's that? Uh, but then you just can't turn away from this. You can't turn away from watching it and listening to it and hearing it. And, you know, because we've got so many ways to observe all of this, you know, I got my phone in my lap. The laptop is open as I'm following, I don't know, Chris and Carlos Twitter account or something like that. I'm listening to Brian Suits last night. I have the to TV stop myself on. from doing that because there, it's not healthy. It's not. It's not. It's and You know, we went through this after 9-11, remember? And they talked about fatigue and uh, consuming all that news. And, you know, we're already doing it for several hours a day. So, like, I have to force myself, hey, don't look at your phone for, like, four hours. <laughs> yeah. And then to to be able to give yourself that time where you just – everything is unplugged and you don't check your phone right, right before you go to bed. You don't, you know, check the computer to see it. As long as you know where people are, you know yeah. where your family is and everybody's taken care of and safe, then you take some time and you just ignore it for a while. And I, I know that that's not necessarily uh, what people are asking for, but there's a point where you can't take anymore. And that's just from the observational por- you know, portion of it because we're observing all of this. I read some book last night about the. I said this earlier. 
about the beginning of the Navy War, uh, the American-Japanese naval uh, fighting in uh, World War II? So I'm reading, I started it last week, the prequel to The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games were much more enjoyable when we didn't have a pandemic and uh, the cities weren't on fire with revolt because it is rough. Like I'm considering table. I'm halfway through it, but it's depressing. It's too real. It's too freaking real. The idea that a that a dystopian people are hungry. They don't have any money. They feel disenfranchised. They feel like the government is unfairly treated. It's it's all very real. It's all very 2020. Uh, We have been talking about all morning and into the early afternoon here about ways that you might be able to help out. If um, if you know of any group or organization that is going to be putting together ways that people can volunteer, uh, please let us know what that is and how it is that we might be able to help out. We talked with Rex Richardson, one of the uh, city council members from Long Beach who last night, before all of this was even over, had the smarts to put out a call for people to come and volunteer. And he told us last hour that this is just a, uh, earlier this hour, sorry, that this is a a true example of what these communities are, is they're, they're willing to come together to rebuild after damage is done. And, and he seemed pretty confident that a lot of the people who were doing all of the damage, it's at least in Long Beach, were not people who live there, uh, that they were coming in from outside to take advantage of the fact that Long Beach police and the other agencies that had filed in there to try to protect that place that they had been stretched so thin. So if that you know a, any of those organizations, you let us know. A powerful image there on CNN just now in New York of protesters shielding a target from rioters and looters. That we're trying to uh, tag the the the, the entrance there. Yeah. All right. Uh, John and Ken show coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Before or after curfew. After, right? Oh, my God. What the hell's going on? Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Listen, ladies. It's been real and it's been fun. But has it been real fun? Uh-uh. Nope. Gary and Shannon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views, premium seats in all rows, and connected tech, while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy nonstop routes to summer, because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to 3500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, 3500 on 2020 Rogue consists of 3000 cash back and 500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 7-6-2020.